Kia ora and welcome to this episode of the Amateur Austenite. I'm Frances Duncan, an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand, slash Aotearoa. With me today is my guest, Raylan. Hello! And we're going to be discussing Letter 13 of Lady Susan by Jane Austen. Letter 13. Lady de Courcy to Mrs. Vernon. Parklands. My dear Catherine, Unluckily, I was confined to my room when your last letter came by a cold which affected my eyes so much as to prevent my reading it myself, so I could not refuse your father when he offered to read it to me. By which means he became acquainted, to my great vexation, with all your fears about your brother. I had intended to write to Reginald myself as soon as my eyes would let me, to point out as well as I could the danger of an intimate acquaintance with so artful a woman as Lady Susan, to a young man of his age and high expectations. I meant, moreover, to have reminded him of our being quite alone now and very much in need of him to keep up our spirits these long winter evenings. Whether it would have done any good can never be settled now, but I am excessively vexed that Sir Reginald should know anything of the matter which we foresaw would make him so uneasy. He caught all your fears the moment he had read your letter, and I am sure has not had the business out of his head since. He wrote by the same post to Reginald, a long letter full of it, and particularly asking for an explanation of what he may have heard from Lady Susan to contradict the late shocking reports. His answer came this morning, which I shall enclose to you, as I think you will like to see it. I wish it was more satisfactory. But it seems written with such a determination to think well of Lady Susan that his assurances as to marriage, etc., do not set my heart at ease. I say all I can, however, to satisfy your father, and he is certainly less uneasy since Reginald's letter. How provoking it is, my dear Catherine, that this unwelcome guest of yours should not only prevent our meeting this Christmas, but be the occasion of so much vexation and trouble. Kiss the dear children for me, your affectionate mother, C. de Borsi. The occasion of so much vexation and trouble. (laughs) This unwelcome guest. There's a lot of vexation in this letter. I think the premise of this letter is a little contrived. She has a cold which affected her eyes. Is that a thing that can happen? I was going to ask you the same. I think it's a plot device that she can't read it so that Sir Reginald reads the letter and then he has to have the confrontation letter with Reggie and then gets Reggie's back up against Mrs. Vernon because his mother would have handled it differently. Then it wouldn't have been such a conflict. Yeah, fair enough. I hadn't realised we were talking about being a plot point as opposed to a device on behalf of Lady de Courcy as to why um, her husband got to read that letter and why it's taken her so long to reply. (laughs) Because he replied the same day. Could she not have squinted her eyes a bit and written a letter at the same time or or got someone else to write it for her? So you're thinking that perhaps Lady de Courcy was herself manoeuvring the situation so that her husband read the letter? Couldn't possibly say. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe not. I'm just... But although, say at the same time, there's nothing quite like someone finding out something you don't realise is coming. It's like, oh, let's read this lovely letter. Oh, you really weren't Jimmy meant Cricket, to read yeah. that. The movie reading of it is quite funny. Sir Reginald starts telling her what the letter says without reading it. She's like, no, no, I want to hear her words. I want to hear her voice. So he starts reading the punctuation as well. Well, he would have read it aloud. That was a thing back then, wasn't it? Reading. It was, very much. And letters would be passed around to all sorts of people. Like, letters were kind of public. Very few of them were private because there was no radio. There was no TV. 
there were newspapers, but you know, you'd get one newspaper a day, and if you were of a certain class, you didn't really have anything to do during the day. But I guess the whole point of this particular letter, well, firstly, it does provoke something from Reggie, but is it? It doesn't even provoke that much. I think the letter before, like the one written by Sir Reginald, I think that's more interesting. It's got more, um, I don't know, that whole, I'm not going to blackmail him or, or tell him what to do, but he does exactly that. Like there's more in it. This one, she just seems fairly insipid. Like she's talking about, she didn't want the father to know, she didn't want him to be vexed. He's ill, wasn't he? Yes, he seems to be. But it's an interesting switch here that she's the one that's, that's ill. And he's responded quite firmly to the letter. But you can see the relationship between Lady de Courcy and Mrs. Vernon, that they have private conversations going on. And like we were talking about earlier off the podcast, they're also kind of medley, like Lady Susan, in a different way. They're trying to manage the men around them. We don't want Sir Reginald to know this. It will upset him. Or we need to get Reggie away from Lady Susan. Yeah, there's a lot of manoeuvring in the background by these women, isn't there? I think that may be the only way they really have power, though. Mm. Women in that time, in that society, didn't have a lot of their own power. So would the main reason she would want to keep back from her husband would have been the illness? Presumably. Because I kind of feel like these characters, and this letter in particular, which is probably not going to get great comments from me, is the fact that they're quite flat as people. You don't hear much different from Lady de Courcy, excepting just to keep stoking the fires uh, to Mrs. Vernon. And I think that's something that had Jane Austen come back to this, she would have worked on more and would have rounded out the characters Mm. and the story. That Mm. the letters would contain more than just talking about Lady Susan. They'd be talking about other things that were happening in their lives because they are very pointed. Yeah. We don't learn really about anything extraneous. The only thing it does kind of say in here is she talks about contradicting the late shocking reports about Lady Susan. Presumably that's the reports that Reggie got from Mr. Smith. That's all I can think because we haven't heard anything new. So who was Mr. Smith? He was a guy that had been at Langford and he came into the neighbourhood of Parklands and he and Reggie had dinner. They dined together And he filled Reggie in on everything Lady Susan was up to at Langford. So as far as we're aware, is is it just that person that's painted her in this bad light? Because all the way through the book, you kind of get the feeling that Lady Susan, it's well known, that her character, all this sort of stuff. But how known is it? It seems to be the established gossip about Lady Susan. Sir Reginald talks about her neglecting her husband, her encouraging other men, and her extravagance and dissipation. And is this real? I mean, who are saying these things about her? General gossips. All we have are these accounts, and it has generally been thought that, yes, she's a big flirt. Reggie always knew she was a big flirt, so was interested to meet her. He says that in his first letter, where he also details all the things that Mr. Smith has said. So she's had a reputation for a long time. So what is a flirt in Jane Austen's time? And where is the line between what is appropriate decorum and what is inappropriate decorum? That's a really good question. I can only answer to the best of my knowledge. (laughs) Absolutely. Her behaviour at Langford was inappropriate. She disengaged... Sir James Martin from Miss Mannering. They were almost engaged. 
So she broke that up. She'd almost caught the fish. And she started a relationship with Mr. Mannering, who was married. Firstly, can you break up someone who's really committed? No. It is, let's blame Lady Susan for these things rather than look at the men who are involved and that they had freedom of their own actions. Yeah, I mean, because I I know she was deliberately doing it because she's said in the... That's the thing. We know her motivations, but other people who don't. What if she was just an innocent, beautiful woman and unfortunately men just like fell at her feet? She's like, can they please stop doing this? It's really uncomfortable. Is she any different I mean, perhaps because she was a guest. Maybe there was guest decorum. But is she really doing anything different than the woman he was almost engaged to? And that who was also setting her cap upon him. So, I mean, is there any different when you were all fishing, for want of a better word, uh, in the same pool? The other thing that makes it inappropriate is that Lady Susan is a widow. And she's not out of her mourning period. Right. So she shouldn't be having parties and she shouldn't really be flirting with men and shouldn't really be looking for a new husband yet. And the thing is, had she been trying to marry Sir James herself after the mourning period, mm. it might have been more acceptable. But we see from her letters, her actual motivations was, oh, I don't want her to have him. He's rich and stupid and I can just marry him off to my daughter. Would that have been okay to if he she'd been if he'd held off until after the morning period and married Frederica? Potentially, yeah. I mean, apart from us knowing that Frederica doesn't want to marry him, but socially, there's not anything incorrect in her marrying Sir James. It's just uncomfortable. And also kind of masterful that Lady Susan seduced him on behalf of someone else. How do you even try to do that? Is she seducing him to the idea? Because, you know, have you ever had someone try and set you up with someone and they tell you all these wonderful things about them and paint them in a good light and the whole thing that goes on around that? She is generally acknowledged to be agreeable and persuasive and all those kind of things. So I personally don't have such a problem about that. The only thing perhaps is that she was staying in their house and you don't really want a visitor coming in and upsetting the apple cart. It's kind of not okay to separate people that are on the verge of engagement. If they were engaged, it's definitely wrong. Yeah, but they weren't. I don't know, maybe I'm just a little bit keen on Lady Susan. I'm a bit of a Lady Susan apologist myself. Yeah, well, I think she gets a pretty bad rap from a lot of people. Not saying she's perfect, because she certainly isn't. But oh. you sort of think about the motivations of it. So she knew the Mannerings from... So Mrs. Mannering is Mrs. Johnson's kind Husband. of stepdaughter? Ward. She Ward, yeah. yeah. So more like a foster daughter, perhaps. So she would have had the introduction to them through, mm-hmm. um, through her... And obviously Lady Susan did not care about that relationship because she was happy to burn it by seducing Mr. Mannering. So okay, if we talk about the seducing of Mr. Mannering. So obviously she was very keen on Mr. Mannering. Because she said as she was driving up to the house, I like this man, pray heaven no harm come of it. Yeah. So she already found him attractive. But she would have also known that there were not many options for them apart from whatever clandestine thing they were doing but I don't know how far that would have extended 
Because in that day and age, like how often would they have been able to get together and do much more than flirting and being up in each other's faces? Yeah, because we assume that they're sleeping together. Would the Jane Austen people have assumed that? I don't know. Probably because widows in particular had a lot more freedom than married or single women and could have physical affairs. But I don't know how it would have worked when they were in the same household. Husbands and wives didn't share bed chambers. Mm-hmm. It's possible that they could have been having a physical fear under his roof, where his wife also was. And that is really uncomfortable. In any time period, that's mm. hugely oh, disrespectful. Absolutely. But we don't know that was happening from these letters. No, we don't have it clearly laid out. That is true. Lady de Courcy in her letter refers to the intimate acquaintance. What is it that makes it intimate? Because they also refer to the intimate friendship. Is it that men and women shouldn't be close unless they're related or married? They are often alone walking in the shrubbery. That's perfectly acceptable. That's a public area. They're not meeting alone behind closed doors. Is it the length of time that they're walking together? Is it that they're talking about really private issues together, but how would people know that? Because my feeling is that if you've got someone in your house who your partner very much favours and gets on with, of course that must feel terrible. And I could see why that would happen. The question is, we don't know if it was innocent or not. Perhaps in the future we can read some more things into it. But at this particular point, we don't know. We don't really know if Lady Susan's getting a fair shake here why they see her as such a threat is any woman who is well-spoken and softly spoken or because at this particular point we know she's behaving herself she's taking a completely different tack with reggie been quite demure she's not flirting with him not flirting with him at all but mrs vernon still sees her as dangerous She's damned if she does, and she's damned if she doesn't. If she flirted, she would have been terrible. If she doesn't flirt, she's still terrible, no matter what she does. You can argue that this is the reason Lady Susan is the way she is, because it doesn't matter what she does. People are going to think that she's got ulterior motives, so why not have those ulterior motives? Also, too, I think with Lady Susan, she is interested in her own comfort, as we all are. I think, you know, we want to get along but well. women are supposed to be self-sacrificing and put others first, and she doesn't do that. She knows her power, and she owns her power, and society has always been uncomfortable with powerful women. Yeah, true. I think she, she does know her mind, and that's true. The thing that gets me is the foil... To that is the way these two ladies, our Lady de Corsi and Mrs. Vernon, behave about her. So one might be powerful, but these ones are certainly wielding their influence every way they can. So they've got their own power that they are wielding, but it's in so much more destructive way. Is it any different that they're after their own self-interests, that they want to keep her out of the family? What would be the reason, apart from the fact they just really dislike her? That Lady Susan would continue to be self-serving. She would continue to do things for her own good and not consider others. This is one of the big things when it comes to family dynamics and relationship dynamics Mm. in general. You've got to be willing to compromise and sacrifice things for the good of the family or the good of the relationship. And Lady Susan is not like that. 
Is it really about the good of the family or is it really about their own selves and their perception? If you say I'm doing this for the good of the family, who's driving it? Is the whole family driving it or is one person stoking it up? Because Lady Susan would come in and completely throw off the balance of their family, she would be the most powerful person in that family because she's got such a strong personality. More so than the established Lady de Courcy and Sir Reginald. More so than her husband even when he became Sir Reginald. But we don't see any of this in the house in this particular visit, which is why it's very interesting that what had happened between Mrs. Vernon and Lady Susan all the years ago when she tried to oppose the marriage. Well, years have gone by and, you know, it's almost like water under the bridge and we're going to move on and she is absolutely determined to not move on. It's kind of a big slap in the face when someone's like, no, I don't want you to marry my brother. I understand that Mrs. Vernon would not be happy about that. But she's also in the position of power now. Mrs. Vernon, she's the lady of the household. She's got the upper hand. She did get married to the brother. And there she is in her house, lady of the house, doing all the things. And that's not enough. Well, because Lady Susan's undermining her too. How? By seducing her brother. Seducing through talk. Not even flirting. So under that, she's not allowed to have anybody like her. She now has to be the, this cowed little silent spinster that slips away into being dominated. I really don't get it. And it's the whole, my, my husband believes everything that she says and he gives her money and no one can see who she really is, but I know who she is and she's actually manipulative mm. and maybe even evil. She sees and knows who she thinks Lady Susan is and she is a baddie. She shook a little when Lady Susan turned up. She's like, I almost believe her. But no, I know who she is. Yeah, there's no second chances. And the thing is, the whole family is united in this. And whether it all goes back to the original mechanisms, that we don't even know what Lady Susan did to try and prevent this marriage. We don't really know why either. Like, she never came up with a reason Like, maybe it was just inconvenient for her and she'd rather keep Charles single like a puppy. I know. Apart from it doesn't work for her. But see, I wonder, like, too, about the reputation. So certainly, like, Mr. Johnson is very anti-her, probably because of what happened with the Mannerings. Well, he'd not liked her before that. Then how did she end up at the Mannerings if he was so anti-her? Because he threw off Mrs. Mannering when she got married. She got married against his advice. Ah. So he went, you're no longer my ward. Presumably, Mr. Mannering's hot. Mrs. Mannering's got money. And he was like, hey, let's get married because I'm hot and you got money. And she's like, I love you. And (laughs) Mr. Johnson was like, I mean, he's hot, but he doesn't have any money. I don't think that's a good idea. Is he a fortune hunter? There was a real thing about those. I think he might be a fortune hunter, which, you know, kind of makes him a good match for Lady Susan. Excepting she hasn't got any money. No, but they both marry people for money. Or they also got that charisma. He must have been more than just a pretty face. Because, And Lady Susan does talk about him well. He does seem to genuinely care for Lady Susan. But it's not clear whether she genuinely cares for him. It's not clear whether she's capable of genuinely caring for anyone based on what she says. What things in particular? Because I don't know that I read that much into her. In letter 10 
lady Susan says that she's advancing towards a kind of confidence and a platonic friendship with Reginald. Mm -hmm. And on her side, it will never be more. But she was not already as much attached to another person as she can be to anyone. Ah, yep. And that sounds very much like, I know I'm not someone that falls in love, but I'm close to something like that with Mr. Mannering. Mm. I'm pretty attached to him. But I don't think I have the capacity to love, maybe. But she does also say that she loves Mrs. Johnson. I think it's so complicated in the way marriages are arranged back in the day. You know, it's all about pedigree and connections and equalness. Yeah. So, like, even the fact that men are in, you know, we even have this concept of a fortune hunter or marrying at the right level or having position and ability knowing where the ears are coming from and you know whose children are in the line of well see in those days yeah fortune hunters could be male or female Mm. but now you talk about gold diggers and you think of a young beautiful woman potentially marrying an older guy someone well established like oh they're a gold digger isn't that interesting because so we always seem to come back to the feminist side of things why it's always a, the label goes on the woman. So the woman is either a cougar or a gold digger. Or the woman's the homewrecker. Or the homewrecker, yeah. It's never about what the guy's doing. Mm. Rich, older men will often look for young, hot women because that's attractive, a young, hot woman. And because they have the money, they can get a young, hot woman. Mm. But they're not judged for that in the way that the woman is. And that is our discussion of Letter 13 of Lady Susan by Jane Austen. I'm Frances Duncan. You can find all the links to my socials in the notes. Thank you for listening and we wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me. But if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of... The Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice Heavily Pride-focused merch, too. It's on Redbubble, and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!